0: uses profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners listen at your own risk welcome to hell on Heels podcast i'm bryce i'm brianna i'm amanda and hello again for those Hi. of you that are new uh, we do a true crime story and a what is it a paranormal story every week and we just alternate who has stories Um, This week it is myself and Amanda. I have a true crime and Amanda has something spooky maybe. I don't know what she has Um, but that look on her face is making me a little
1: nervous. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It is spooky.
0: Okay. How are you guys?
1: Pretty good. I'm doing great. I have food in front of me. It started out as chicken pot pie in a crock pot but I didn't make the biscuits and I just started eating it. So it's kind of like a chicken stew.
2: Oh, well, that works, right? Mm-hmm. I just made myself a burger and finished it in five minutes because it was really good. And I'm currently drinking my Moscow. So I'm good.
0: I have not had dinner. I'm also in a different time zone than you guys. So it makes more sense why what I time haven't had is it dinner. There? It's 4.30 almost. It's
1: only an so hour. it's geriatric back. dinner time. Yeah. Not
0: quite okay. my dinner time. You guys already saw that I got a, a puppy pending as of today. <laughs> oh, That's my God. So cute. so cute.
2: I expect weekly update pictures. I want to see. Okay, but mm-hmm. I don't see my parents weekly, and
0: it's at my parents' house. She is. Her name is going to be Maisie. It's a mini Aussie, and she's so cute.
2: She's a mini Aussie. One of my friends from last year has a mini Aussie and she's grown up. I think she's about two now. She's adorable. They're so cute. You're so lucky. I'll
0: get pictures if I can and she's she's just so darling.
2: Did you guys do anything fun this weekend? Partays? Not really but Jack's birthday is on Tuesday so I've got a bunch of super fun things planned for that. Oh, that'll be fun. Are you taking him to
0: the haunted hotel that you told
2: us about? No, I'm not. Um, It was a little out of the price range, but we're gonna do some fun things that he'll actually enjoy, and not just me.
1: <laughs> I am, uh, apparently, I started having contractions, so if I grimace, that's what's going on. I'm just hurting.
0: Okay, well, um, that's not our fault. You can blame El Bebe. For that. Oh no,
1: I'm gonna blame James. It's completely his fault. Okay, blame him too. That's fine. Yeah. Well, I was
2: gonna say on a completely other note, that's so exciting, dude. You're so close. It
1: is, but at the same time, like at this point, just get out. Just just be gone. Go. Make yourself, I don't know, known in this world because right now I'm just I'm over it.
2: (laughs) You know you'll have to tell James that every Sunday when we do our podcast, he's gonna have to take care of the baby for a good three hours
1: i thought about just shaking her until she goes to sleep but apparently you're not um, supposed to do that yeah i thought we learned so, last week that you're not
0: supposed to do that
2: yeah there's actually a thing called shaken baby syndrome <laughs>
1: i'll just put a pillow over her face instead
2: oh yeah that's much better <laughs> um <laughs> I, I know you're joking but <laughs>
1: dude so if i get arrested anytime soon y'all
2: probably can
1: guess what it's for
0: I will delete the recording. Don't worry, I got your back.
2: (laughs) Make sure you save it just in case the police have something on you, too. That's valid. Thanks, Bree. Thank you for that. Saving my ass. All right, are you guys ready?
0: Because I've got a good story, and I'm real, real excited.
2: I am excited.
0: Mm -hmm. Because of Amanda's story last week, I had to find something pretty damn good this week. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, you
0: guys okay i do have to do the sherry screen thing but i have to find what i want
2: okay it's where y'all are always in competition with each other
0: <laughs> oh, well of course of course we are okay all right so have you guys ever heard about the weepy voiced killer
1: fuck yes no don't talk just listen don't okay i'm sorry don't okay. ruin it shut your face <laughs> Okay.
0: Uh, it's it's very creepy. So there is a picture on the drive. And it is the first picture. It says one and Karen. New Year's Eve, 1980. 20-year-old Karen Pot- Potak, a student at Stevens Point University, had just arrived in St. Paul, Minnesota to party with her sister. I mean, it's New Year's Eve. They're going to go out, have a good time, get drunk, dance, and all that fun stuff. Um, they went to a bar, they're dancing and just having a good old time. Um, and then Karen, just after midnight, wanders off from the party alone. And she just is kind of drunkenly wandering the city. Now, this is in Minnesota and it is freezing. There is snow on the ground and she's in her party get up. Doesn't have a coat. So she's freezing. Temperatures are below freezing. Her friends and her sisters, her sister did not know that she had left the party because they were out, they were doing their own thing, having their fun and whatnot. And there is one report where it said that Karen is actually still holding a glass of champagne when she's walked out of the party. She walked through an alleyway and reportedly a man in a car pulls up and offers her a ride home. Of course, she is drunk and she is cold. And so she gets in the car. At 3 a.m., three hours later, police receive a phone call. And I'm going to play that phone call for you. <laughs> hey i know that was really hard to hear i do however have a transcription of it so don't worry i got your back i know it, it's really a crazy call but this is what it says it says yes please this is an emergency send squad to pierce butler road Malburg manufacturing company machine shop please send an ambulance too there's a girl hurt out there and the operator says can you tell me what happened to her And the person says, just hurry. She's laying on the ground in the back by the railroad tracks by the engine room. Hurry. The operator says, what's the address? This person says, I don't know. And the operator says, who are you? And then it's click. So they don't know who this is, who's calling, anything like that. But they're getting a report of a girl being hurt back there. And so officers do go to the location. And this is Malberg Manufacturing Plant. And they find Karen Potak naked body in the snowbank near the railroad tracks. It was deserted at night. There was no one working there. It was cold and it was just a very eerie scene. She definitely would not have been found if that call had not been made. Potak was severely beaten with a tire iron to the point at which her skull was split open and her brain was exposed. Sergeant Mm -hmm. Joe Corcoran later said it was the most devastating, devastating scene he'd ever seen in his career. Karen was rushed to the hospital and had emergency surgery. And because Karen is a fucking badass bitch, she actually survives. Karen was so severely beaten, however, that she had severe brain trauma and she didn't have any memory of what happened. So, like, on one hand, that's really great for Karen. On the other hand, that really sucks because you can't... She doesn't know who it was. She doesn't have any details. But she doesn't remember this horrific thing that happened.
2: That's actually amazing because of split her skull in half that's he must have or she must have not cut any like i mean they did severe damage but it wasn't
0: i mean she lived that's amazing yes so pretty amazing for karen however for investigators because she has no memories this kind of leads them to a dead end they don't know anything they have this phone call which was very strange but that's it. They don't have anything else. And so they're kind of at a loss. They don't know what to do. Um, And that kind of leads the case to go cold because they have nothing. Later, police receive a call. The call was either received on June 2nd or June 3rd, 1981. And I'm going to play that call for you.
2: gonna say that you still can't really hear anything but it sounds like the same voice yes
0: it definitely does sound like the same person so that transcription the caller is saying will you goddamn find me will you find me i just stabbed stabbed somebody with an ice pick i can't stop myself i keep killing somebody and then they hang up and you hear the operator say hello are you there and later on, on June third, nineteen eighty one, a group of teen boys found the body of a young woman near an unfinished freeway in a wooded area. Um, the wooded area was kind of like a had a scenic view of the Mississippi River and that type of stuff. So they're definitely uh, not good. The woman was laying face down and had been stabbed in the chest numerous times. Police believe that she had been stabbed with an ice pick. Definitely a weird coincidence that. They're seeing that this was stabbed with an ice pick and they got a call saying that they stabbed somebody with an ice pick. Initially, when police got that call, they thought it was a prank because they were like, all right, whatever. This is just some cruel joke until they heard the ice pick part. And they're like, oh, that's that's really strange because an ice pick is a really weird weapon in general. It wasn't I stabbed her with a knife or I stabbed her, you know, it was very specific an ice pick, and they very much believed that this young woman had been stabbed with an ice
1: pick, so at this point, are they at least linking the calls together?
0: After this, they've kind of linked Karen and this young woman together because mm-hmm. they don't know what else to think, and it's very similar they the voices are the same and it, the same panic and the same m o anyway, so police find that the killer had called from a nearby payphone but by the time they got there he was gone so they did receive this call now that i'm actually reading my notes correctly they did receive this call afterwards after the body was discovered two days later they receive yet another call and i'm gonna play call for you as well Hey, that was a very eerie call, if you ask me. And after some of my research and some other things that I've read and listened to on this case, something that was pointed out in this. Um, is some of his verbiage so again I have a transcription so the caller says don't talk just listen I'm sorry what I did to Compton I couldn't help it I don't know why I had to stab her I'm so upset about it I keep getting drunk every night I can't believe it I did it it's like a big dream I can't think of being locked up if I get locked up I will kill myself I'd rather kill myself than get locked up I'll try not to kill anybody else Now with this, first of all, I haven't gone into how they've identified the young woman yet, but they do identify her. One thing that really stands out in this is that he says it's a big dream, not a nightmare. And that's just really freaking weird because dreams are good and you wouldn't think of someone going, oh, I'm killing someone. This is a dream.
1: Yeah, it almost has like a positive connotation to it, Mm -hmm. which is goosebump. Inducing. Mm -hmm.
2: Personally, when I think of that, I think of, like, a dream-like state, in a way. I don't know, you can't really say, like, nightmare-like state, you know? It doesn't really fit, But he didn't say
0: it's a dream state, he said it's a dream. It is a dream.
2: So, like, maybe he got, like, super drunk, and he thinks that he did it, but he may not have done it. But it's a dream that he thought that he did it. I I don't know, I'm just... I'm advocating for him at it. this point. I wouldn't.
0: So police trace this call to a phone booth and they rush there, but it's too late and there's no wit- witnesses that could help identify who was there. Now, this caller did identify the victim as Compton. And at this point, the authorities already know who the victim is. So during the autopsy, they find that she had been, first of all, they find that this young lady had been strangled with a shoelace, but this was not her cause of death. She had actually been stabbed 61 times with an
1: ice pick. Okay, first of all, the fucking ice pick again. But secondly, 61 times? Mm-hmm.
2: I was going to say, and she's still alive no. at that point? Nope, she is dead. This is his second
0: victim. So he strangled her with a shoelace and then stabbed her 61 times.
2: This guy must have a shit ton of anger problems. What? Mm-hmm. Who would even imagine stabbing anything? We'll talk about it. Um, We'll talk a
1: little
0: bit about it. There's really not a lot of psychology on this guy.
2: The police also find a
0: small key in the victim's pocket. And this leads them to a locker at a nearby bus station. And this is actually how they're able to identify the victim as 18-year-old Kimberly Compton. And you guys can go to the picture that is labeled Kimberly.
1: She was 18... Oh god. They
0: and something else that they also look at in the autopsy is that they actually look at the undigested food in her stomach, which led them to Mickey's Diner because she had ordered the special at Mickey's Diner. And before you ask, the special was a barbecue beef sandwich and fries. So, they they kind of had all of this information. They have this key. They know she went to this diner and so they they have all these leads. Oh, this part's hard. Okay. In the locker they find her ID, all of this information, and they find out that Kimberly Compton, she was from Pepin, Wisconsin, which was a small town. As in, in 2018, this town had a population of less than 800 people. And Kimberly had just moved to St. Paul, as in she had gotten off of the bus, put her things in the locker, um, locker number 750 at the bus station, and then walked across the street to Mickey's Diner where she ordered the special. What the shit? Which means she was murdered hours after coming into St. Paul.
2: That poor girl.
0: Because they know she went to Mickey's diner they were able to talk to the staff a little bit and the staff does reports. They did see her walk across the street into the diner and a man a few booths away kind of takes notice of her and starts talking to her and she eventually invites him to join her and they seem to really hit it off. I guess during the conversation, she mentions that she's brand new and he offers to take her around and show her the sights, it being the 80s. And she's like, okay, well, cool. She's 18 and naive. And I mean, obviously, in today's day and age, if a stranger comes up to you and offers to show you the sights, you say no.
1: And you scream fire.
0: You do all the dramatic things. Yes. But they do leave together. And the staff saw all of this interaction. They saw him leave together and they were able to give a brief description of the man, but not enough to really lead to anything at first. All the staff said was he was tall, he was a bigger man, and they said something about his hair, Um, but they didn't give a lot of detail. But it's a diner and in the 80s they really didn't pay too much attention. This was pretty much a harmless interaction as far as they could tell. So it was really crazy and at this point this leads the police to release part of the recorded calls. To the public hoping for some sort of lead or some something and this is where he gets his name because the media immediately named him the weepy voiced killer. Now the police did get a ton of calls saying that they knew who the voice was and all of that stuff and it, it said that police investigated maybe a hundred different reports and none of them really panned out and again they don't have anything they don't have enough information this case unfortunately goes cold again. A few months later, so two months later, Alan Lopez kills his mom and his sisters in a brutal way. I couldn't find a lot of details on it. Police arrive at Alan's home and they're negotiating a hostage situation. And during this hostage situation, this Mr. Alan Lopez actually claims to have killed Kimberly Compton. Eventually he's arrested, found guilty of the murder of his sister and mother, and he was placed in a mental health facility. Before police could question him question him about the murder of Kimberly Compton, Alan unfortunately commits suicide. Uh, March 19th of 1982, retired detective Earl Mills comes out of retirement for, I'm sorry, that's supposed to say 81. But he comes out of retirement for a day to release the case files for the weepy voice killer so they could connect Alan to the crimes. And they find that the day that Kimberly Compton was murdered, he was checked into a mental health facility. And so they're like, oh, crap. But then they keep digging and they realize that he was actually given a day pass on the day of Kimberly's attack. So they're like, okay, now we just need to connect Karen. Because they, they know at this point that Karen and Kimberly were killed by the same person.
1: What was he hospitalized it, for? It does sorry. not say. It better have been something really just ridiculous for him to have been given a day pass. I, That's all I'm saying
0: uh yeah it doesn't really go into
2: yeah was he not accompanied by any personnel or anything like that i mean wouldn't a mental health this was the 80s things
0: were different i i don't know but they do look back at karen's attack and karen who's the first victim where she survived they actually find that alan was in jail the night of her attack so they have been following this lead of alan lopez thinking okay is he admit to compton And we know he attacked Karen because they're the same people. However, there's no way he could have attacked Karen. And so now they're back at square one because they're like, well, crap, we can't link Alan to Karen's attack. Because he wasn't responsible for that, we know that he's not responsible for Kimberly's murder. And so Alan, who they spent all this time on, is actually cleared. On August 6th, 1982, 40-year-old nurse Barbara Simmons is out at the Hexagon Bar in Minneapolis bar staff say they saw her dancing and talking to this man Um, later on a bartender actually reports that barbara had come up and said something along the lines of he's cute i hope this guy's okay because i need a ride home and the bartender kind of took this as odd she didn't really like how that felt and she was a little worried so the bartender and other waitresses from the bar made sure to get a good look at this guy they actually told police he appeared to be about 40 he weighed probably 200 pounds, uh, six feet tall. He had black hair that was receding and he had a mustache. So now police have another um, witness account and it's a lot more, a lot more defined here.
1: Sorry, those are the friends you want in your life. Yes. Those girls are badass.
2: Yeah, not the girls who don't think that you actually left the party because they're drunk as shit and doing their own thing.
0: But I mean, you can't blame that for Karen's. Her sisters and her friends were partying. I I know,
2: I know. I just, I just feel so bad about that. Anyways, these bartenders, they do take
0: uh, note of this. And Barbara and the man are seen leaving together that night. And then the police get yet another call. Fire emergency. Okay, again, I do have the transcription of that. So the operator answers and says, fire emergency. And the person says, please don't talk. Just listen. I'm sorry I killed that girl. I stabbed her 40 times. Kimberly Compton was the first one over in St. Paul. I don't know what's the matter with me. I'm sick. I'm going to kill myself, I think. And the operator says, where are you? And the suspect says, I'm just going to. If somebody dies with a red shirt on, it's me. I've killed more peepin- people. I'll never make it to heaven. And the operator just goes, Calm down. Which I will say, I really love that the operator's like, Chill out, please. I can't. <laughs> so they receive this call, and it's very much more frantic than the other ones. It's very, very frantic. Like, you can't understand him for parts of those. Just very disturbing and unsettling the next day on august 7th 1982 police find the body of barbara simmons in the minneapolis river Um, Barbara had been beaten and stabbed over a hundred times with an ice pick or screwdriver. She was thrown into the river, but was tangled up in weeds on the side. So she washed, washed back up and police are able to go back to the bar and talk to the staff, which is where we got the details from before. And the waitress that had gotten a really good look at the man actually comes in. And is shown a lineup of a potentially over a hundred mugshots, and she says without a doubt she identifies 38-year-old Paul Michael Stefani as the man that Barbara had been speaking with or dancing with. Now, the reason she was, or they had showed this waitress the mugshot, is because he had previously been convicted of aggravated assault, so his mugshot was part of that lineup because he matched the physical description. Now, Paul Michael Stefani, there's not a lot of information about his early life there's just really nothing available online things like that but we do know he was born on September 8th 1944 in Austin Minnesota Um, he was the second oldest of 10 children and they were from a highly religious family Now the reason I'm going to emphasize this is because it is emphasized everywhere and he has already mentioned once in the calls that he's not going to make it into heaven. His biological father was not in the picture. His mother remarried when he was three to a slightly abusive. I didn't quite understand what they meant by slightly abusive but Stefani did give the example that his stepfather would like if they got in his stepfather's way, he'd smack them and they'd go flying down a set of stairs or things like that. So I'm not quite sure what he means by slightly abusive, and I'm not sure if it was very abusive and he didn't understand that it was abusive. So that's not very clear. After high school, he moves to Minneapolis or St. Paul, right in that area in the 60s, and he worked as a shipping clerk, a janitor in a hospital, and a whole bunch of other things. He did eventually marry Beverly Lighter and had a daughter. Not much is really known about this part of his life either. We do know, however, after him and Beverly split, he abandoned his daughter. Awesome. Yeah, he's a stand-up guy. He was convicted of aggravated assault. I could not find a history of mental illness for him. After police identify Stefani, they discover that he had actually been fired from his job at the Malberg Manufacturing Plant in March of 1977. And the Malberg manufacturing plant is where his first victim, Karen Potak, had actually been found. So he would have potentially known that there was going to be no one there. It was going to be deserted. And he would have known those details. So at this point, they're like, okay, this is really weird. And they set up surveillance on Stefani. And they actually began following him. But somehow, despite their best efforts, they actually lose Stefani. Now, on August 21st, 1982... At this point, they they can't find him. They're like, where in the hell did he go? Stefani goes into Minneapolis and picks up 19-year-old sex worker Denise Williams. Now, Denise Williams had been a sex worker since the age of 13, which is heartbreaking. But we also know that that means that she is street smart. This girl is going to be a tough cookie. Mm -hmm. Denise and Stefani they negotiate a price for the goods they go back to his apartment and do the nasty and stefani offers to give denise a ride back to where he picked her up and she's like oh okay cool thanks now as they're driving denise realizes that stefani was definitely not taking her back to where he picked her up and she she knew something was wrong she confronts stefani about this and he says oh it's just a shortcut and He also started telling her about his sexual fantasies. And she's like, okay, first of all, we just had sex. Secondly, you're creeping me out. Like, what's happening? So eventually Stefani goes down a road with no streetlights. And Denise is starting to be like, okay, well, shit, it's about to go down. And she actually sees a glass bottle on the floor and made a plan to use it if needed. Stefani pulls into a dead-end street with no lights and turns the car off, and he tells her some grass, ass, or gas no one rides for free. She literally just had sex with him. So she's like, okay, whatever, and he tries to grab her hand, and she's like, nope, and tries to get out of the car. At this point, he grabs, grabs a Phillips head screwdriver and begins to stab Denise in the stomach. Denise, being the street savvy girl she is, she takes that bottle and she smashes it over his head. And this
1: Hell dashes
0: yeah. on his face and on his head and he's just bloody all over the place. And she's actually not, I mean, he's continuing to stab her at this point with a screwdriver. And she's not as bloody as him because he's creating puncture wounds, whereas she is slashing. So he's bleeding more profusely. And it's actually in one article I read, she stated there was just blood everywhere. She couldn't see at one point because there was just so much blood. That's all she could see. And she reports that in a high-pitched voice, Stefani stated, you're just like the rest of those broads. Definitely strange right there eventually Denise is able to she's I mean she's being stabbed she's eventually able to open the car door and she falls out of the car and he just is right on top of her stabbing her still she is screaming and freaking out at one point she actually decides I'm just gonna play dead because maybe this will end if I'm dead and he just keeps stabbing her now Stefani chose a street that he thought was vacant there'd be no one there there's no houses however he was wrong. The house is here, I guess we're just a little more hidden. And one of the neighbors hears poor Denise's screaming. Resident Doug Panning runs out of his house and he tries to figure out what's going on. And he comes up, he sees Stefani on Denise, just stabbing her with a screwdriver. Panning actually said during, according to court documents, that he could hear the screwdriver making a thudding noise when it hit Denise's bone.
2: I'm going to vomit. I'm not gonna vomit, but yes, that's gross, but it's also just so sad. Yeah, awful. This poor
1: fucking girl. Holy shit.
0: Doug also said that he had seen the broken bottle still in Denise's hand. So she's still got her weapon on her. She's still you know, she's trying to survive. Panning eventually grabs Stefani and in this whatever, Stefani ends up facing Doug Panning. And Stefani actually starts lashing out at Doug at this point. And Doug's like, well, no. And he goes back to his home and he actually calls the police. It's unclear if Panning was injured at all, but he is able to get away and he goes back to his house and he calls police. Stefani, who, I mean, I guess for this instance, he's not dumb, but I would Still say he's dumb. He gets back in his car, car takes off, and he leaves Denise there to die. Because he's like, well, she has been stabbed enough. What's going to happen? But Doug being the bad he is, he runs back out. And he actually tries to do everything he can to help Denise until the ambulance gets there. The police do make it to Denise. They're able to get her to the hospital and she is able to rec- recount the story to police. Um, she did have life-saving surgery and all of that. She was stabbed at least 15, um, 15 different times. And they found that one wound had punctured her lung and another her liver. So he was really going Oh for God! It. Meanwhile, Stefani goes home and he makes this phone call. And it's not quite the same as the others. Hello?
1: Westminster, what's the problem? I'm all cut up. I got beat up. What's your apartment number? Two hundred eight. I'm bleeding. Two
0: hundred eight. Where are you bleeding from? From my arm, my face, my head. Denise really got Stefani with that glass bottle, and so Stefani goes home and calls for an ambulance for his himself. So Stefani claims that he was beaten up and robbed, which is. I guess a half-truth. He was not robbed, but he did for sure get his ass kicked by Denise. The police in this case, they actually recognize the voice as Stefani, the person that they were trying to surveillance. What's the right terminology for that? Person they were trying to follow. And they're like, hmm. Interesting that Denise is here telling us this story about what happened to her. And he's calling with base basically the same description of injuries. So they're like, "Hmm, interesting. Maybe we should just uh, talk to Stefani. Denise does actually identify Stefani from a lineup. And Stefani is charged with attempted murder. Now, when he is brought in for questioning, they show him the case file from Karen, Kimberly, and Barbara. They said his demeanor just flicked. He just... Loses cool, gets really aggravated. He gets out of his chair and tells investigators, you're not going to pin those on me. Officers actually say his voice would change and he would sound just like their recordings. He could make his voice sound like that on the flip of a switch. So to me, that kind of makes me feel like all of these, oh no, I did this, very fake. He wanted attention. I mean, they felt fake and attention seeking beforehand, but that even more so makes me feel like he was that much more looking for attention.
1: I agree with that because the one where he should have been panicked, where he was calling nine one, one, he seemed pretty chill and pretty calm and collected. But after he killed, uh, what four women He's attacked four attacked four. excuse me. Or I think it was after the third one that he Barbara. called twice or something like that. Um, Yeah, after four phone calls, I'll say that he was out of his mind frantic. Mm -hmm.
0: Speaking of, I don't remember if I told you guys to go onto the picture of Barbara and Denise, but you guys can look at those. Yeah, so it was just, I mean, really crazy. So officers were actually able to charge him with the murder of Barbara as well as the attempted murder of Denise. Um, The reason for only the two is because it's a different jurisdiction. This is in Minneapolis, whereas the others were in St. Paul. So they would actually need the St. Paul police to make those bring those charges against Stefani. Police do bring in a voice expert who wasn't really helpful because they told us what we already know is that the voices were remarkably similar, but they could not definitively say if it was the same person or not. So that wasn't super helpful. However, Detective Don Brown was able to find some more information about Stefani he actually found that a past love of Stefani moved back to Syria for an arranged marriage. And so Don believes that when Stefani was attacking these women, he was actually attacking his former lover because he felt betrayed. The trial for Denise and Barbara was in February of 1985. It lasted six weeks. Stefani pled not guilty for the attempted murder of Denise and the murder of Barbara. Again, he was tried in Minneapolis and the other crimes were in St. Paul, so it was a different jurisdiction. St. Paul did not end up pressing charges because they didn't feel they had sufficient evidence. They didn't have witnesses. They didn't really have anyone that they could go off of. The jury had actually called Stefani's ex-wife, his sister, and a woman he had once lived with to come to the stand and listen to the calls. They were asked to listen to them and tell the jury who they thought the the voice belonged to. His sister's reaction is most notably the. Kind of craziest reaction. His sister actually broke down and said, That is without a doubt my brother. So she is on the stand and she is like, "Mm, That's him. And she's just breaking down. Stefani was found guilty of attempted murder and second degree murder for a total of 58 years in prison eight years for Denise and 40 for the murder of Barbara. We know he's going to prison for at least 58 years. Now, this is the point where the police department said, Okay, St. Paul, let's get him for these other two for Karen and Kimberly. And again, St. Paul's like, we don't have enough. We're not going to charge him. He's going to go away for 58 years anyways. Now in 1997, while Stefani is in prison, he is diagnosed with terminal skin cancer and given a death sentence with that. And I guess he has what you could call a coming to Jesus because he actually asks to speak to St. Paul police in exchange for something very odd. He requests a photo of his mother's gravestone.
2: Yes. I wouldn't really call that odd. I don't know. Maybe you kind of want to... He's not
0: asking for a photo of his mother. He is asking for a photo of her gravestone.
2: I mean, maybe he wasn't there when she was buried? Um, I still... It's a very odd request.
0: And the St. Paul police are like, okay. And they bring him a picture of his mother's gravestone. He confesses to Karen's attack. And he states he hit her a good 20 times. Um, So this is how we know the details of someone picked her up. She got in someone's car. He said when he picked her up, he had, she had no jacket and he thought he would take her for a cup of coffee. He just wanted to warm her up. They do clarify that when he was swinging or hitting her with the tire iron, they clarify if he was swinging or like poking it, like trying to stab her. And he said, oh, he was for sure swinging it. He said he swings 10 times, realizes that she must be really hurting. But he still continues to hit her at least another 10 times with the tire iron. He does confess confess to the murder of Kimberly Compton. He said he thought he would show her around town, but in 15 minutes she was dead. He tried to show her a view of the river because it was scenic and he told her that she would have something to tell her parents about. However, when he left the car, he took his knife with him. He very much had every intention of hurting. And now this is Stefani's word. Kimberly has passed away, so she cannot come back and say what actually happened. But he said that, He laid in the grass with her. He opened up Kimberly's bra, was feeling her up, and then just started stabbing her. He's now confessed to Kimberly Compton and Karen's attacks. So we now know he's found guilty of Barbara and Denise, and he's confessed to Kimberly and Karen, what police are not expecting is that he also confesses to the murder of Kathleen Greening on July 21st, 1982, who he drowned in her own bathtub. When Kathleen was found dead, it was it was initially looked at as suspicious and they looked at her ex-husband. But in the end, because they couldn't find any information, they ruled her death an accident. She drowned in her bathtub. It could have been anything. They didn't have anything else to... Say it. it was a certain someone. Oh, and also when Stefani confessed to this murder, he did not know the victim's name. They actually had to go through and figure out who this person could have been and they identified it as 33-year-old Kathleen Green. This is the murder that took place between Kimberly and Barbara because there was a rather large span for a serial killer between Kimberly and Barbara. There was 14 months between the two. This was the... Oh only murder he did not make a phone call for for a minute they were like well it could just be stefani taking glory for something that he doesn't need to take glory for however stefani knew details about kathleen's house that only someone that had been in her house would know and very oddly enough they found an entry in her contact book for paul s and it had his phone number listed not what they were expecting, but he has now confessed to three murders. And I'm sorry, he's confessed to two murders and one attempted murder and was found guilty of one murder and one attempted murder. He actually stated that when the murders would happen, there would be a voice in the back of his head that said, Paul, it's time to kill.
2: Oh, bullshit. Now,
0: I don't know if this is because he's trying to get that mental health card or I, I don't know. It very much feels faked to me he said he would always go to church after his after his attacks and he would sit in the back and cry he said mother always told me if something hurts you go to god that religion's coming right back so we don't know if There, there are a lot of theories a lot of people think that to him these were dirty women and he was killing them because like in the case of kimberly if she was allowing him to feel her up they had just met he could have thought she was a a dirty woman and killed her because of religion or really it could be any number of things but there's really no psychology done so no one's really sure what his motives are he also has this quote and it says killing was seemed to me the thing you were supposed to do that was part of life driving a car was part of life eating food was a part of life To me, it seemed like killing was a part of life until I did it. I don't quite understand that because he says killing's a part of life until I did it. And he continued to do it.
1: Okay, I got a theory. This guy's full of the deepest shit because (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't fucking buy it. I don't buy it at all. I think, I think he knew exactly what he was doing or at least what he was trying to do in getting like some kind of some kind of sympathy or like you said the playing that mental card or whatever because mm-hmm. the way I see it Denise and Kimberly they were both pretty young so they're gonna be you know easy targets I I don't know how else to Denise Kimberly
0: and Karen were early twenties if not younger.
1: Well Karen the reason I didn't include her as being young and an easy target is because she was freaking freezing. I'm sure she was inebriated. Like, okay, she's a different target for a completely other reason. And then Barbara, Barbara was the one who told the bartender she needed a ride home, right? Mm -hmm. So very clearly, this woman's about to get into your car. Plus the fact that she's a little older. So maybe she couldn't fight herself off as well as somebody younger could. At that part, I don't know. She could have been like a fitness model. I'm not sure. but. All of these women, for one reason or another, seemed easy prey. And I think he's just full of shit and I don't like him. And I hope she scarred the hell out of his face when Denise slashed him up.
0: Um, There is actually a picture of him with bandages on his face on the drive as well. There's two pictures of him. Um, One looks a little more recent and then the other looks like it was taken pretty soon after he was attacked by I guess I shouldn't say he was attacked by Denise. Denise was attacked by him.
1: Yeah, I hope she scarred him for life. I
0: hope so too. He did die at the age of 53 from skin cancer on June 12th, 1998 in Oak Park Heights Maximum Security Prison. That's the story of the weepy voiced killer.
2: What confuses me is in all of the... Victims that she went into detail with for Kimberly, Barbara, Karen, and Denise. He stabs them, correct? Mm-hmm. In some form mm-hmm. or fashion. But then for the other woman, I forget her name, but for the other woman. For Kathleen. the The woman he drowned. Mm-hmm. He drowned her. And he also didn't call. And so in a way, it kind of is like anger. But then he's also kind of feeding into his essence of killing in a I don't know I guess I'm just trying to look at this from a psychological perspective but like he never ended up calling the police on that because he didn't feel remorse because he didn't act upon his anger he only acted upon his I don't think he felt remorse on any of them I think he wanted attention
0: because there is a report of him actually calling the media after some of the some more information was released about him and he actually corrected what the media stated. There is not a recording on that one. I don't know if it's just because it's not available or if it's because he called a media station and they didn't give a shit to record it. I mean, he's calling the media to say, "Oh, you got this wrong about I'm sure he was going, "Oh, you got this wrong about me." But he felt no remorse.
2: Not what I mean by that is that he acted out of anger and not out of his wanting to kill, if that makes sense. So not that he felt remorse, but as if he kind of it's just odd that the crime was completely different and also that the that he never called the police afterwards and he called it for all of his other victims. Yeah. It was that was definitely the strangest
0: one to me because it didn't suit fit his MO, it didn't fit his patterns. It was with Karen, Kimberly, Barbara and Denise. They were all very, very violent. And they were beaten and stabbed, whereas Barbara was drowned. It wasn't to a point, like, she she obviously wasn't beaten to a point that they were like, oh, something happened here. It was ruled an accident.
1: See, I could see that, though, as, like, a crime of opportunity. And for that to be his, like, awakening to where he just likes the way it feels and then he graduates to the stabbing in a disgusting form of wording
0: that would have been after Kimberly who was stabbed 61 times so he already knew he liked stabbing people but i i can't see how it maybe <sighs> was a crime of opportunity so i i don't know it was it was one of those stories that definitely took me for a few loops where i was like what excuse me what um
1: But yeah, that's the Weepy Voiced Killer. So I did the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum in West Virginia. And it's kind of gone back and forth between Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum and the Western State Hospital. So I kind of go back and forth between calling it like an asylum and the hospital and a couple different things, but I do specify later on like when it went through the name changes. But if y'all want to look at that first picture.
0: No, I don't actually.
1: Well, then get the fuck over it and do it anyway. (laughs) That was more aggressive than I intended. So aggressive. (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) Can you just fucking calm down? So it is. Okay. So the Trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum it was a government run psychiatric hospital in Weston, West Virginia, and it was built between 1858 and 1881, so it took a while to really get the actual building built, and even then, they kept adding to it later on. The main building is the, and that's the picture that you see, the main building is the largest hand-cut stone masonry building in North America. And it's allegedly the second largest in the world.
0: Hold on, wait. I did not understand a
1: word of what you just said. Can you repeat that? Big building made stone. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I got that. Thank you. (laughs) Basically, it's the largest building made out of hand-cut stone in North America. And it's allegedly the second biggest in the world.
0: Okay, I think the hand-cut stone is where I got lost.
1: (laughs) That's a very important piece, though. I wouldn't have wanted to do this. I Fuck no, I wouldn't (laughs) have done that shit. No, thank you. So it was designed by architect Richard Andrews, whose plan called for long wings arranged in a way that assured each of the connecting structures received an abundance of therapeutic sunlight and fresh air. And it was... I mean, it, he actually designed it with that in mind for each of the psychiatric patients that would be housed in this hospital. So he thought that was really important and he really wanted them to just have that that fresh air and the sunlight. So it was originally called the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, but the name was changed to the Weston State Hospital when they started housing patients. The hospital was later bought by Joe Jordan in 2007 and he changed the name back to the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, and then he opened it for tours and other events to raise money for his restoration. It originally opened in 1864, and it remained open until 1994, when changes in the treatment of mental illness, along with the physical deterioration of the facility, finally forced it to close its doors.
0: Those were hand-cut stones. How was it deteriorating? Those were
1: made with love. Well, mainly it was the inside. Oh, okay. So construction began in 1858, and it was started by prison workers before skilled stonemasons were brought in from Ireland and Germany. In 1861, construction halted when Virginia demanded the return of unused funds to build the hospital because they wanted to reallocate those funds towards defense and the American Towards defense in the American Civil War. What and just I, happened? I spazzed out for a second. Where's where's my water?
0: For a second.
1: You're
0: always spazzing out.
1: <laughs> so, okay, yeah. Virginia demanded the funds that weren't used yet because they wanted to use that in defense in the American Civil War. Before that could happen, the money was seized from a bank by un, by a Union infantry squad and used to establish the reorganized government of Virginia. The reorganized government devoted money to continue construction in 1862, and when West Virginia became a state in 1863, the hospital was renamed the West Virginia Hospital for the Insane. The 200-foot clock tower was completed in 1871, and unfortunately, They completed separate rooms for African-American patients in 1873. Construction was finally completed in 1881. The hospital was intended to be self-sufficient. So on what eventually became 666 acres, there was a farm, a dairy, a cemetery, and even its own water supply. And then in 1902, they added a gas well. Damn! Like cows and shit. While originally being designed to house 250 people, it held 717 patients in 1880, 1,661 patients in 1938, over 1,800 in 1949, and at its peak, it housed 2,600 patients in the 1950s in obviously overcrowded conditions. How many people was it supposed to be able to house again? 250 in their nice sunny rooms um so how many people per room is that um eventually further down i do say that it got so bad that sometimes four and five patients were crammed into rooms meant for one person that just reminds me of college all over again (laughs) fucking sharing goddamn rooms with people I really hope the rest of the story does not remind you of college because they might want to shut that college down. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) A report completed by a group of numerous North American medical organizations in 1938 stated that the hospital housed epileptics, alcoholics, drug addicts, and non-educable mental defectives. What's that? Basically people that you cannot educate. Says who? says whoever ran this hospital they're wrong and by the way I hate the phrase mental defective I just feel like there's so many better words you can put together but that was an exact quote
2: I I completely agree I think that mental defective literally physically means that like that person cannot mentally comprehend anything Mm -hmm. and obviously they can because they learned how to walk didn't they or like they learned how to move their limbs (laughs) didn't they or they obviously had the comprehension they're just slower i I agree i I get it's a different time frame
0: and different era but i mean my god humans were so freaking cruel well if you go to
1: that second picture no um these are some reasons for admission from 1864 to 1889. And I'm just going to pick out a couple and read can them. Can
0: you read it with like a relaxing, like, you know, the yoga voices, the yoga relaxing tapes that you're supposed to do, listen to? Okay, I can give that a shot.
2: And then Bryce and I will come in and we'll be like, what the fuck? To one of them. And you'll have to explain it further further detail. Okay,
1: so a few examples of reasons one would be admitted into the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. Are laziness, imprisonment, marriage of son, Wait, masturbation... Oh, marriage of and son? Syphilis. Yes, ma'am. What the fuck is okay. marriage of son? Yeah, obviously you can't stay living with your son when he gets married. That is preposterous.
2: So then is it literally saying that every woman whose son has been married could have... Potentially been admitted in... Yes,
1: if they chose...
0: God, I see desertion by husband on here too.
1: Yes. Asthma, bad company, bad whiskey, which is interesting. What is bad company? Bad company literally (laughs) just means like nobody wants to be around you. (laughs) Like you're bad company.
2: What about bad whiskey? (laughs) I wish
1: I knew what that was.
0: Oh my God. Maybe (laughs) they just made bad whiskey.
1: My favorite one is the one is the second to the bottom on the left. Deranged masturbation. What is
0: deranged masturbation?
1: (laughs) I wish I could tell you.
2: (laughs) You didn't Google it.
1: No, I was honestly afraid to.
2: (laughs) Sorry. For a couple more. You are disgusting. (laughs) Yes. Oh my god. We also have suppressed
1: masturbation.
2: Okay, but wait, 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 wait.
0: Suppressed masturbation would be that you're not masturbating, right? But isn't masturbating on this
1: list? Uh, I think so, yes. You said masturbation. masturbating. is on this list multiple times. Oh, masturbation and syphilis. And list. Masturbation for 30 years. By the way, novel reading is on here. Okay, good God. Female <laughs> disease, jinx. which I'm not even sure jinx, of jinx, what jinx, that jinx, is. Jinx,
0: jinx, 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 jinx.
1: That's all I got after that. We said, that <laughs> we said female disease at the same time. Oh my God! Did we really? (laughs) I like seduction and disappointment as well, and I want to know if it's in that order or if I can be disappointed and then seduce somebody. I think it's in that
0: order. I think your seduction was a disappointment.
1: So some of these were legitimate, though. So we have rumors,
0: smallpox, of
1: husband murder, and
0: Salvation Army are on there.
1: Yes. Self. (laughs) Oh my God. Mm -hmm. And we will obviously post this on. The Instagram, because I could read this all day
0: The Instagram. On the Instagram, yes. (laughs) Oh my god. Suppression of menses? The war? Oh my god. Time of life? Oh my god, I can't. Yep. Okay, continue. I will stop making you read (laughs) these. I do have questions. I'll text you later. (laughs) Okay.
1: In
2: 1949, the Charleston... Honestly, I'm just like... Looking online to see if I can find any of these just bizarre things as to why, like, these people were admitted, and I can't find, like, oh my god, I just saw remote characters. I just saw
0: overstudying of religion and overtaxing mental
1: powers. See, overstudying of religion, I wish we'd have known about that sooner because maybe we could have had old dipshit put away. Way sooner than what he was. Stefani? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that'd be great. Mm -hmm. He could just go here and suffer. So in 1949, the Charleston Gazette reported numerous issues found at the hospital, including poor sanitation, insufficient furniture, lighting, and heating. However, one room of the hospital that was rebuilt in 1935, after a patient set fire to it, was, quote comparatively luxurious. And that is, that happens often. There were a lot of fires set by a lot of different patients in this hospital. So the overcrowded conditions left workers, you guessed it, overworked and extremely outnumbered. The once bright windows quickly became covered in grime and the newspaper started to peel away in decay, or patients just tore it away from the walls. Four and five patients were crammed into rooms meant for one person, and some were left to sleep on the floor and in freezing rooms with no heat. The farm and dairy on the grounds were originally built to provide for 300 people, and they could not meet the demand, so patients began to suffer from malnutrition. In the early 1950s, the hospital reached its highest amount of patients and arguably its worst time for patients. The patients that were unable to be controlled were kept in cages while the less worrisome patients, were lucky enough to get beds. Anybody that acted out or even complained at this time was likely to face solitary confinement and spent months chained to the walls of an empty room. What? Yeah, which makes me, which just confuses me because if you have four or five people in a room, how do you have rooms set aside for solitary confinement?
2: Kind of in a way, get it, because, and I'm not at all comparing it to this, but- This is really the only thing that I've seen, solitary confinement, for example, in, like, Orange is the New Black. You know, you can kind of see, like, the difference between all of the rooms in which everybody stays versus the solitary confinement, which is literally, like, below everything else and is literally just designed for one person, which is big enough for literally a bed, and maybe a toilet and a sink, and that's it.
1: I mean, I get that, but this was designed as a hospital.
2: Why would you have not a, not a solitary a confinement in a hospital?
1: Yeah, and it was built to be, like, actually a, a healthy, happy hospital. Like, that's the way it was designed, and it, we just crammed it full of chronic masturbators, apparently, and...
0: No, it was deranged
1: masturbators. <laughs> and suppressed masturbation, okay? You can't catch a break with this and, fucking place. And people with asthma because Jesus I don't Christ, know. A- you asthmatic people, you'll I mean, be screwed.
2: Honestly, the the treatments and the psychological just horror that the people went through and I can't imagine in the 1800s, but I know that in like the 1950s were like horrific. I mean, I, I can't even imagine. It's just terrifying, the stuff that they must have gone through. Well, I actually have an example of some of the things they did. Hold on,
0: time out. Um, I'm sorry. I just saw uh, one more uh, reason for admission. <laughs> Imaginary female trouble. I would like to, that to be my reason for admission if we get to pick.
1: I feel like yours would be domestic trouble. Domestic? Or domestic affliction. What does that mean? It means Cody's going to get sick of your shit and have you institutionalized. Probably. He's,
0: <laughs> he's going to be like, please, someone take her. And it wouldn't be, it was the bad company one, is what it would be for me. <laughs>
2: Not even that, it would be the women trouble one. There's literally one right under vicious vices and time of life in the war that says women trouble. He could literally just say that, I don't know, your, your woman parts well, are that's acting what up. The, and, and there's a better. uterine
0: derangement right above that.
1: Perfect. <laughs> God, I can <laughs> oh, God. Oh my god. Okay, so let's just
0: say I am going in for bad company, uterine derangement and women trouble.
1: I'm just going to stick with immoral life, overtax over action of the mind and asthma. Okay. Bree, what are you going in for?
2: I would most likely go in for bad company or deranged masturbation, <laughs> I guess.
0: <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that means. No one does. Don't worry about it.
2: And greeniness. Because I'm greedy as fuck.
0: <laughs> well, now we all know what we're really going into this mental, in- mental institution for. <laughs> I think that's
1: really what matters. Where the hell was I? Oh, okay. I highlighted it so I wouldn't forget. Uh, if anybody acted out or complained, they would. they were likely to face solitary confinement and spent months chained to the wall of an empty room. A number of medical practices were used during this time, including ice water baths, seclusion cells, electroshock therapy. During this time, the hospital was also home to the infamous West Virginia, West Virginia lobotomy project. Oh my God, I can't. For anybody unaware of what that is, it is, well, it was a well-known effort conducted by the state of West Virginia and Walter Freeman using lobotomies to reduce the number of patients in asylums because of severe overcrowding. Specifically, Ice pick lobotomies. And spoiler alert, these lobotomies are no longer an accepted medical technique. Lobotomies are rarely used in modern medicine, but they're now known as prefrontal leucotomies. And they're described as a much more elegant procedure than an ice pick lobotomy. Patients were also subject to countless other 19th century healing tactics, including bloodletting, insulin coma therapy which is where patients were injected with large amounts of insulin over long periods of time to induce comas that lasted for days, sometimes weeks, and months. The overcrowding during this time also introduced a time of increased violence. There were several cases of patients killing each other. One story told of two patients using bed sheets to hang a third patient, and when that didn't work, they cut him down and used a metal bed frame to crush his head. And that man is said to still haunt the room he died in on the third floor. I sure shit would too.
2: Yes. I-
1: and now this poor man has to live there forever.
2: I mean, I can't even imagine that and just everything else in general. I mean, people have literally died from electroshock therapy and from mm-hmm. unsuccessful lobotomies in general. I mean, ice pick lobotomies were literally... Okay, imagine you are given a, like, not even, like, anesthetic to, like, go to sleep just so that, like, you can't even, like, feel anything. But you're still awake. And then, essentially, they would literally, like, go up above your eye and just, like, pick, like, at it and just, like, poke it once. And then they'd go up above the eyelid and just pick it. And that was literally an ice pick lobotomy.
1: I mean, Yeah, they actually use electroshock therapy while they were doing the ice pick lobotomies to quote-unquote sedate you. And then they would just shove the ice pick in your eye and just kind of, like, wound around.
2: Anesthetic? I mean, yeah. I guess in a way they, they didn't have that in the 1800s, but still, like, that's I absurd. I mean, I get it. If for I mean, the
0: anesthetic, they yeah. don't know. And so I guess, like, if it was a necessary procedure... What else are they going to do? Like, they're not going to let you suffer. Like, if your leg needed to be amputated, they're Mm going to just do it.
1: But also, like... Yeah. And I'll have to do Walter Freeman another time because... I don't like that man. (laughs) I don't like him. But he was uh, not qualified to be doing ice pick lobotomies. And I'll just leave it at that. So, staff members were also attacked and some... Female staff were also raped. In one instance, a female nurse went missing on duty, and her body was found decaying at the bottom of an unused staircase two months later. Oh my god. Another expose soon reported the horrible conditions patients faced at the hospital. It told of how dirty the asylum was and unkempt. And that many patients were left naked and quote confined to dirty wards with bathrooms smeared with feces. In nineteen ninety-two, a patient named George Edward Bodie died due to injuries sustained while fighting with another patient. A patient by the name of Brian Scott B. also committed suicide, and his decomposing body was not found for eight days. So that's just a a couple
2: of the deaths there just a few i mean the fact that you can't find a patients i'm assuming that it was in his room i could not correct? find but uh i couldn't find if it was in his room okay. or
1: somewhere else
2: okay well i mean just around like the common grounds or whatever the fact that you can't identify or even find to that knowledge a body that's decomposing is just bizarre, and honestly, it's so sad. Obviously, this was completely and utterly overpopulated, but it's just beyond imagine. So, in February of
1: 1986, the governor at the time, Arch Moore, announced plans to build a hospital and convert the Weston Hospital to a prison. When the William R. Sharp Jr. Hospital was built in Weston and opened in 1994, the Weston Hospital was forcibly closed very soon after due to changes in treatments of patients along with the physical deterioration, like I mentioned earlier. Since then, the building and grounds have been vacant except for the occasional church revival, fair, or tour. In 1999, all four floors of the building were damaged by numerous city and county police officers playing paintball, and three of the officers were actually dismissed because of that incident.
0: Wait, why were they playing paintball there?
1: I guess because it was abandoned at the time. This is before it was bought. So I guess it just seems like a good idea.
2: Just seems weird. Okay. I agree. I was going to ask the exact same <laughs> question.
1: Three museums showcasing military history, toys, and mental health were opened on the first floor of the main building in 2004, but all three were closed soon after due to fire code violations. Then in August of 2007, the West Virginia Department of Health and Human Resources auctioned the 242,000 square foot building, Joe Jordan, who's an asbestos demolition contractor, bought the property for 1.5 million dollars and started maintenance on it. The Kirk Bride, which is the main building, and if you go to that third picture, you can see a layout of how just freaking insanely large this hospital is.
0: It only housed 250 patients?
1: Yes, because all of the like, the geriatric ward, the violent ward, the hospital ward, the women's ward. All of that was built later on. Okay.
0: But I mean, I still... But that main building... That main building feels like it should hold more.
1: It probably could have. But because they built it to where each room was supposed to be able to get the fresh air and the sunlight and stuff, it was kind of spread out. And I also read somewhere that, like, the walls are, like... uh I think they're like two and a half feet thick or something like that. Well, I mean, that's that hand-carved
0: stone right there. That shit's got to be thick.
1: And then you also have the kitchen and all the other stuff here. Okay. So the Kirkbride, which is that main building, it now has several rooms on the first floor that act as museums, showcasing paintings, poems, and drawings patients made while in art therapy programs. And a separate room is dedicated to different medical treatments, And restraints that were used in the past, and artifacts such as a straitjacket and a hydrotherapy tub. They allow two historical tours led by guides dressed similarly to the 19th century nurses, with a blue dress and white apron, hats, and shoes. The short tour allows people to see the first floor of the Kirkbride, and the longer historical tour allows visitors to see all four floors of the buildings the staff's apartments, the morgue, and even the operating room. There's also multiple paranormal tours. There's a daytime tour that's guided and it takes you to the four hottest spots in the hospital. Is
0: the daytime tour for chicken shits like me?
1: Possibly, but the, the activity in this hospital and this asylum is 24 seven. There's activity in the day. There's activity at night. Like it never stops.
2: I mean that kind of, that honestly kind of makes sense because of the I mean because they subjected the patients to like sunlight and whatever because I I don't know that just kind of makes sense a little bit because of the sunlight and because nighttime is normally the haunting hour. Mm-hmm. But know.
1: it's just there's just so much packed into this little place that it's yeah it it never. This never stops. They have a 30-minute flashlight tour that are half historic and half paranormal, and they show the main building and the medical center. Then there are the overnight tours that last from 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. The first one is of the main building, and after being split into groups, you're going... You're... Hmm. After being split into groups and going on a quick paranormal tour... You're allowed to wander the halls by yourself or with a guide. The second tour is of the medical, forensic, and geriatric buildings. And you're divided into groups again and given ample time to explore each building. And then finally, they boast private tours, depending on if you have nine other people willing to go with you, because it is in a minimum amount of 10 people.
0: Okay, so we need to find... Seven other people.
1: I'll bring James. He doesn't get a choice. He's driving.
0: Okay. Four other people. Please.
2: Literally, y'all would never come with me to that. If I, I will literally pay for that I'll go. if y'all I agree just, to
0: come with me. I will me. go. I, I just need a flashlight and holy water on hands. me at all times.
1: Well, you are encouraged for this one to bring your own ghost hunting equipment. So, yeah, we'll get, like, the little head things, you know? little headlights and shit. I'll bring my fucking
2: <laughs> blue snowball microphone okay, right here. Let's we do also it. Still, Let's fucking if I go. remember correctly. I'll connect it to my computer. And I'll just make sure that my computer is on at all times. If I remember correctly, shop. I think it's like, I think it's
1: $250 a person to do this one. But you literally rent the whole building from 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. They lock you in and you're basically just on your own. They let you go wherever you want.
0: The locking me in park. Dude, that's like, I don't do it. I just want to be able to get out if I'm freaked out. You know what? Or what if I need to just go get food real quick? You know, I want to be able to walk out. I want DoorDash to be able to enter.
2: Hey, hey, (laughs) hey, I got you. Okay. I will, as long as you pay for each person. Or as long as you pay for you and Cody or whoever else you're bringing, I will pay for, hands down, five Domino's pizzas.
1: (laughs) Oh, damn. This girl's bringing Domino's. i can come into the room anytime and I'll pay for five Domino's Right? I was thinking, like, peanut butters
2: and jelly sandwiches. (laughs) I can keep those in a backpack. Peanut butter and jelly... No. No, girl. Okay. Domino's is the way to fucking go okay if if you want i can throw in some chocolate haagen-dazs ice cream in there because that shit oh my god literally when you're stressed out or when you're down like i swear haagen-dazs chocolate ice cream is are you going the way to, to go.
0: include
2: Hands like down.
0: their little garlic knots that they have because those things are delicious
2: i will include anything you okay, want me done. to include. I will include haunts, anything for up sure. to $100. Okay, we are,
0: I, I will find coupons for everything. That's
2: my limit.
1: It looks like we're going
2: to West Virginia.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: Wait, we, we
0: still have to plan our watch party.
2: West Virginia, that mama.
0: Yeah. Ah, I forgot about I didn't forget about it. Yeah. I haven't even edited that
1: part yet, and I didn't forget about okay. it. So, are you ready for the haunts? Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Let's go. So these are just a few. And the first one is Lily. Lily is said to be either a former patient or the daughter of a former patient that was just adored and kept safe by staff. She died possibly of pneumonia around nine years old. She's seen wearing a white dress and her giggle can be heard not only in her room, but around the entire hospital.
0: that's creepy. I get you're saying she was um, adored, but a little girl's giggle Mm -hmm. in any haunted place, whether it was good or bad, is creepy.
1: And you can go to that next picture. That's actually a picture of her room because she's like a favorite of visitors. She said to love repeat visitors and she even has favorite guides working at the hospital. She's apparently haunted the fourth floor in Ward R, before one of the numerous fires in the building forced the ward to be rebuilt. She's known to speak with ghost hunters through EVP ghost box sessions. And she's known to play with toys, music boxes, dolls, and roll balls around the room. Which leaves many people to leave toys for her to play with, like you can see in that picture. There's toys and I did everywhere. read. I'm yeah, not sure I'm where box. exactly... She has a music box. Get
2: her a toy box. Then yeah, her room will be box. She can't play with them. Yes, she can. Being able to hear her laughter around all of the hospital. Do you mean by all of that facility specifically, or do you mean by like literally all around the entire vicinity? Like it said, it said like
1: throughout the property. You can hear her little That's giggle.
2: Horrible. And That's so sad, too, that she died at nine years old. Mm-hmm. I
1: couldn't tell exactly where her room is. One source said that it was on the first floor. As I punch my microphone. One source said that it was on the first floor. And then another one said it was on the fourth floor. So I'm not sure. But you can tell by that picture. So Ward C is on the third floor and is considered a particularly active location. Typically, uncontrollable female patients were housed in that wing, and it's said that staff had to walk down the hallway back to back to prevent patients from attacking them and or stealing their keys. Male visitors are encouraged to hang their keys from their belt loops, as many people reported feeling them being tugged, and other people have reported hearing screams, cries, and women's voices. So there's also Dean's Room. Dean Methany, or Methany, I'm not really sure. He was deaf and mute, and he was murdered in 1987 by two other patients. David Michael Mason and James patients Woods.
0: murdering each other. Yes. I don't understand this. Like, if you're in a shitty situation, why aren't you guys, like, working together to fucking stay alive, not killing each other?
1: Well, from what I read, David Michael Mason, this was actually his second murder. He was helped by James Woods, and they tried to blame the death on a ghost, but they were both eventually charged with Dean's murder. And this is also on the third floor. Witnesses claim that Dean is known to speak to investigators via EVPs. He's also known to turn flashlights on and off and hug visitors. So Dean's just a sweetheart.
0: Okay, hey, I mean, that's kind of sweet, but also, Dean, please don't
1: hug me. Oh, yeah, terrifying. Like, please don't, but like, oh.
2: I mean, but at the same time, he just wants love, mm-hmm. you it's know? sweet, so but no. You, you can't judge him just, just because he... He hugs you, you know, with your arms down and with you, like, looking up or whatever. He just hugs you. You know, you you can't judge him. I'm not judging
0: him. I'm just saying, please don't hug me because I can't see you. And that's going (laughs) to scare the shit out of me.
1: So there's also... I love you at
2: the same time.
1: (laughs) He sounds like the kind of person that would respect you. I hope. So, Big Jim. He is said to have murdered another patient with a bedpost. Visitors are encouraged to sit in a dark room. I believe this is also on the fourth floor. And unscrew the head of your flashlight until barely disconnected. And then you can ask Big Jim questions. And wait for the flashlight to turn on or off as a response. And he's known to do this a lot. This isn't Big Jim unscrewing it. This is a
0: human unscrewing it and then having this conversation with Big Jim. Okay.
1: Yeah, you know how like you... Barely unscrew it, and that way the ghost can when you, tap it yeah. and yes or no questions. Um, yeah, he's known to really respond to that. My mother in law,
0: her old house that was haunted, said that she went through like with that flashlight tapping with responses.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah, we did that. Oh god, I can't remember where we were, but it was somewhere back in Mobile, and we got a little bit from it, but overall, I was mainly just disappointed. I wanted to to see like some. Some hardcore ghost shit. So Jason, he was there's proof uh, like on the admissions from 1892. A man named Jason was admitted for alcoholism and delusions because he was actually accusing people of hiding his beer from him. And <laughs> <laughs> he spoke to investigators for the first time in 2008. He spoke to ghost hunters and. He was looking for beer, I like so that seemed host. pretty I like brand. Mm-hmm. So the
2: I would be doing the exact same <laughs> thing if I were. <laughs> Maybe not beer, but like wine, like a a fruity flavored <laughs> wine, you know.
1: So the kitchen workers and visitors both. Report feelings of being watched during the day when they're in the kitchen. One security guard reported that one night while he was alone doing his rounds, he felt like somebody was watching him. And when he got near the kitchen, he felt dread and a negative energy. And then he noticed movement towards the kitchen. And when he looked, he described a grayish figure in the shape of a woman just kind of hanging out at the opening to the kitchen. He said he knew she was staring at him even though he couldn't see her eyes and he watched her as she faded away.
2: No. That's creepy as
1: fuck. So other haunts are ghostly or shadowy figures are seen during the day and night. Balls of light can be seen and objects are said to move on their own. Whistling can be heard as well. Yeah, right? Like that was really- That was really unsettling to me, too. I don't know why.
0: First of all, I can't whistle. So, like, that's even (laughs) creepier to me that a ghost is over there (laughs) fucking whistling. Just (sighs) (laughs) however you whistle. I don't know how to do it.
1: Whistling can be heard as well as banging on Mm -mm. pipes, Mm -mm. screams, unearthly noises, slamming doors, throaty moans, ominous breathing, throaty moans what are ominous breathing and hysterical laughter wait can you please just give me an example of a throaty moan
2: like what amanda did earlier uh. <laughs> did i do that earlier
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh i don't remember that
0: <laughs> you just spazzed out for a second
2: i literally made Bryce. Pause her story real fast and be like, can we please explain this?
0: (laughs) Hey, that wasn't during
1: my story. That was during her story.
2: (laughs) You're right. You're right. It was. It was. It was when I was
1: trying to say American Civil War. And for some reason, I couldn't. Can you please make that throaty moan for me one more time? I don't remember that one, but I think it was something like. Uh. (laughs) Something possibly similar.
2: To be honest, that would be creepy (laughs) AF if you were in a horror vicinity and just being exposed to a bunch of just different noises and shit imagine that on your EPM
1: no like y'all just crawl in bed with your man tonight and just go (laughs) (laughs) in his ear
0: (laughs) listen I already deepened my voice to mess with Cody um, because I'm like, this is Bruce.
1: Jock <laughs> <laughs> would be disturbed. <laughs> oh my god, I ate too much to be laughing this hard.
0: <laughs> so now I have this. This is Bruce. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: This is Ryan. <laughs> uh, oh my god. Please record oh that god. if you do that. Or I can
0: do... I can really mix it up. I like to really mess with Cody.
1: The newest thing is, <laughs> hey, bab
0: bab, bab. <laughs> So I can oh just go, god. bab and then make that noise.
2: <gasps> my honest favorite with Jack is, baby, baby, <laughs> baby, <laughs> baby. <laughs> <laughs> just until he fucking responds, because it's literally the way that the cat fucking meows in the middle of the night.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, God. Okay. So, where was that? Ominous breathing. Uh, people also reported smelling cigarette smoke and just general uneasy feelings throughout the asylum. People reported being touched, pulled, pushed, shoulders grabbed, and even being pushed up against a wall. No fucking thank you.
0: And you wonder why I don't want them to touch me. I don't want to be fucking pushed against a wall.
2: <laughs> That's, like, okay, next but level. Okay, go to this asyl- asylum, Bryce. Like, you're... Girl. No, it doesn't matter. I don't want to be pushed against a no. wall. No. I have not done anything to them. They have not you're, done anything you're gonna to have me. To sign a, you're going to have to sign Says a waiver saying, two. yeah, I'm okay with being... Th- with this happening to me. Yeah, I'm okay with being pushed g- pushed up against a wall. Yeah, I'm okay with being licked. Yeah, I'm what okay with being licked.
0: Hold the fuck <laughs> up. Who <laughs> is licking me and why? Because I am not okay with if, that. Can we go through this asylum?
1: No, I just not. went through this entire story. It. I have you researched can't. this for a week and a half and I've never been more uncomfortable Than just thinking about being licked by a ghostly fucking specter in a haunted asylum. Oh, I'm so triggered. So,
2: Bryce, you're gonna have to be okay with. Hold on. A ghostly figure (laughs) licking you, or a a a ghostly figure licking you, or B me licking you and making you think that it's actually no, not gonna happen. First of
0: all, I've got a story about that really quick. So. The company I work for right now, we have a call center, and there is this one chick that worked there. Really crazy. There is a story about her walking up behind another call center employee and licking her ear. Like she did not know this lady that well and she just walked up behind her
1: and licked her ear. I would be in
2: and I just licked her ear. I would
1: be in <laughs> fucking prison. <Is> all- <laughs> no oh hell no work
0: here anymore so we're good
1: is that why that better damn well be Um, why no because it wasn't reported until after the fact i would have throat punched the shit out of that girl Uh uh-huh what did this woman do hold on should they work at a call center Uh uh-huh straight up out of the ordinary i'm so like i i'm so weird about this like i don't I don't like people touching me. It's horrible when you're pregnant because everyone wants to fucking touch your stomach. Don't touch me. Don't touch my stomach. Don't touch my shoulders. I'm going oh, to Amanda, vomit. Can I touch
2: your stomach? No. Are, are you kicking? Amanda, can I touch your stomach? I
1: hate that shit. Like people will come by and just randomly touch. Don't fucking touch me. Like you you get my consent before you put your grubby little fingers on my body. I hate it. Like when people touch my shoulders, I get physically nauseous. I don't know why, but I hate it.
0: I don't like being touched either, so. I can guarantee if someone walked up behind me and licked my ear while I was on a phone call with a patient, they're sure I would have been fired.
2: Hands down, I completely agree with Bryce, but at the same time, I feel like if I were pregnant and my boyfriend came up and just, like, started massaging my... I'm literally, at the moment, massaging my shoulders. If he just, hands down, started massaging my soul my shoulders I would have been like oh my god keep going mm-hmm. like it's just the people that you are more comfortable with you know mm-hmm. if just somebody straight up that you didn't know started coming up and a kissing your ear mm-hmm. be licking your
0: their ear any part it was of not kissing
2: ear, any any part of you okay l- licking your <laughs> ear kissing or licking any part of you, or just like putting their hands on any part of you. I mean, that'd be disturbing as hell. Hey, okay, hold on and, though.
0: You're saying putting no. their hands on any part of you, and yet I'm not allowed to be uncomfortable with a ghost hugging me? No,
2: without my consent. No, no, no. no. Okay, okay. That that's not that. Okay,
1: I'm sweating. What I'm, I'm saying saying I am so uncomfortable.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is that. I have really bad claustrophobia. I, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> just just forget it. Never mind. Never mind. I just mind.
0: want to clarify.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I can't explain it. Am I right? allowed
0: to tell the ghost they need to get consent before touching me? That's my question.
2: I don't know. Because technically they're not living anymore. So technically they can't what? be prosecuted. And technically they can't be physically not what if altered. I find another ghost but that really likes
0: me and does get my consent, and we're hanging out? And I go, listen, this other jackass in the other room touched me without my consent. They can go get their ass whooped by the other ghost. Listen, I think things through. Ghost oh, brawl. Made-
2: <laughs> <laughs> you fucking go, girl. I believe in you. I think we all need shirts that
1: say "ghosts need consent too." I think we do. I also think we <laughs> need one that says "ghost brawl." <laughs>
0: i like that one but we need you to design a shirt for us that says ghost need consent to and ghost yes. brawl so t- yes. not bra brawl b-r-a-w-l, brawl. yes okay
2: but amanda please keep going with your story because i feel like <laughs> we've literally been like de- we've been derailed we've been on for a, a hell minute of a
0: tangent. Exactly. <laughs> because someone mentioned a ghost licking me and i lost my shit
2: I feel like you mentioned a ghost I'm licking, about me. to lose licking
0: my, coworker. my No, I mentioned a pot, huh?
2: Person
0: licking my coworker after you mentioned a ghost licking me. So
1: uncomfortable. Okay, look, I've got okay, two yeah, I've, got- <laughs> I've got two bullets left. So, <laughs> in one restroom, two spirits said to be teenage boys from the 1940s are still said to linger And visitors are encouraged to bring cigarettes, gum, or mints to appease them. And then also on the fourth floor, a black mass can be seen as well as an apparition nicknamed the Creeper that crawls along the floor. And another ghost often seen is a soldier that they've named Jacob. And he's just chilling, strolling the hallways.
0: So Jacob is chill, but I don't want to see that black mass crawling the floors.
1: Oh no, that is two different Oh, I don't want to see either of them. I don't give a <laughs> shit is, which one it is. There is a black mass and then there is the creeper that crawls along the floor. Fuck I that.
0: I don't really give a shit which one it is. I don't want to see it.
1: Like, Anything I do, but crawling I don't. can just get the fuck out of here.
0: That's my like, issue is crawling. That's creepy because you're like trying to hide in my mind if you're crawling.
1: Mm-hmm. So uncomfortable. Oh my god. Okay, that's all. If awful.
2: I see a paranormal specimen, we'll just call it that, crawling, let's say on the roof or on the floor or on the walls, I would straight about lose my shit
0: i'm saying that that's what i've been saying i will go to this fucking haunted place i will not enjoy it but i will go
2: (laughs) okay bryce that's literally what i've been saying this entire time all three of us plus our significant others plus okay we need nine people no ten total plus three ten total Mm -hmm. plus three extras so i'll bring Wait! People. No! 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 Wait! Each of y'all bring what one if? Person.
0: What if we uh, we all go with our significant others, and then we can just make a goal for like in a year or two or whatever from now, when we're big and famous, our hellions can come along. We can do it as a drawing.
1: When we're big oh, and famous, yeah, so, great idea. I mean, because <laughs> in a year, we'll
2: have seven listeners. No. <laughs> I mean, we literally have zero followers at this point. No, no, that's not true. We have at least I mean, three, even though it's by them.
0: force.
1: Oh. <laughs>
2: yeah. So all I'm saying,
1: hey, I was- will make a vision board with ten followers. That's all we. No, we don't even need ten. We need six, uh, 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 seven. Nine. seven. Yeah, seven. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh, I was done with my story. The creeper I, was the last thing. I still. Or Jacob was the last thing.
0: How dare you forget about Jacob, you fucker! he's fine he's not fine when i was we, gonna say he's gonna live, listen to this but podcast. i had to stop myself <laughs> <He'll>... <laughs> <laughs> yeah please watch your tone okay oh my god okay first of all you guys i'm sorry i'm changing the subject but my stomach hurts right now because i ate far too many french fries um sorry no that was, that was okay. self-inflicted i very much ate <laughs> way too many french fries but uh, we do need to plan our watch party. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, I don't know what you guys wanted to watch. I had a watch idea not too long ago. I don't remember what it was. Um, and then that's it. That's everything, right? Your story was good, Amanda. I hope hope you guys
1: enjoyed mine.
2: Yeah, for yours sure. was good too.
1: I liked that one. Uh,
2: I did. Too. It made me a don't little talk.
1: Little... Just listen. Don't talk. Oh, just listen.
2: Him.
0: Okay, but oh my gosh he was weird as shit and then his i'm not getting into heaven well no shit sherlock (sighs) anyway did your religious mother teach you that who taught you that was it your mother or god
1: or just common (laughs) sense school (laughs) i don't know who it was (laughs) (laughs) okay everyone just shit on francois or whatever his name is stefani
0: Stephanie, not like Gwen. Stefani, we like her, but Stephanie, not even
1: close. <laughs> that wasn't even close.
0: <laughs> I know you weren't. <laughs> what was it, Francisco, Francois? <laughs> oh fuck. Okay, <laughs> okay. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Hell on Heels podcast. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Hell on Heels podcast. Um, if you want do- to th- donate through Patreon. Um, You can donate on their Hell on Heels podcast as well. If you have your own true crime or paranormal stories, please email us at hellonheelspodcast at gmail.com. A big shout out to Amanda's husband, James, for creating our intro music.
1: Love you, babe. And then
0: be sure to like, review, and subscribe and join us next week. And who has what next week? I have paranormal. Bree has true crime. I have nothing.
1: Amanda yeah, doesn't, doesn't have any
0: homework so I'm sure she'll really enjoy that
1: oh I'm gonna pick another gruesome true crime for y'all Fuck get off. me good two weeks in God, <laughs> I can't
0: hey guys I feel like we need like a cutesy something where we all like like a cutesy exit something I don't know what I'm trying to say anyways this has been hell on heels thank, <laughs> you, thank you guys for listening ta ta Goodbye. Amanda's laughing at a cat.
2: (gasps) Did y'all see that? My cat just fucking bit me. Wait, sorry, that's not funny. (laughs) I'm currently trying to teach him not to bite.
0: Oh my god.
2: And he just bit me, so I just had to flick him off real fast. (laughs)
0: That's all Amanda and I saw was him bite you and you flick him.
2: (laughs) There's our cutesy (laughs) sign-off. Hey, y'all. We can't wait for y'all to subscribe and like and follow. And I'm so excited to introduce to y'all our newest episode, which will be available next week, about something, something, and something, something. (laughs) And... (laughs) Congratulations to our 100th viewer for attending this podcast. And have a great night. Love you all so much. And we can't wait for that 100th viewer to get their prize. Have a good night. Bye. Bye.